0: Welcome to the Money Advantage Podcast, empowering business owners with the permission to think differently about money so that you can consciously choose to live a meaningful and fulfilled life now. Our passion is making money simple, fun, and doable, helping you feel great about your money and getting your money working for you so you can thrive.
1: Hi, and welcome back to the Money Advantage Podcast. Today we're talking about privatized banking, policy loans, and why we use them. We're going to give you the number one reason to use a life insurance policy loan. We're going to demonstrate why life insurance policy loans increase returns on your investments. And we're going to show you how policy loans give you access to the opportunity to earn uninterrupted compound interest, leverage your capital to boost your returns, shrink your opportunity costs, and accelerate time and money freedom. We're your hosts. I'm Rachel Marshall, and this is Bruce Wayner with me. Good morning, Bruce.
0: Morning Rachel. Uh, boy, this is a I, I don't know when this is going to actually be released, probably in a couple of weeks, but we're right before the holiday season. And uh well, I can't think of anything that the listeners would be thinking is um uh, more complicated than this particular uh issue. But complicated doesn't necessarily mean it shouldn't be tried to be understood. Um Absolutely. You know, people all the time I always find this fascinating. You know, people all the time talk to me about all different kinds of financial vehicles because we're a f- full service firm, and I'm always amazed when they say, "Well, you know, I, no, I don't want to do that life insurance because I just don't understand it. I don't think anybody understands it." But they'll put money into a mutual fund and not even know how the mutual fund actually works either, or why are they buying and selling, or what companies they're selling and buying, and And they're paying uh, taxes on the dividend, uh, even though that's being reinvested. And at the end, you know, I go over tax returns with people all the time and they don't even have any idea that they're paying taxes on dividends they didn't even physically receive that year. So Hmm. this whole issue of it being complicated, I think, has come from another podcast issue we've talked about is how, you know, in investment companies, securities companies have made it so easy with the 401k just to say, let's put money in here and, and oh, if you want to if you want a loan from it, you can get 50% of it and we're gonna take it right out of your paycheck and put it back. And if you don't if you don't pay it, then it's gonna be a distribution and you're gonna to have to pay more taxes. They make it just so easy to to save it, they make it so easy to get a loan. But when you're we're really talking about a time-tested um vehicle like whole life insurance, uh, even though whole life insurance by itself is a very good vehicle or wouldn't have been around for hundreds of years, if you really know how to take advantage of all that's whistles and bells, then you can actually accelerate not only your own benefits in within the life insurance, but benefits that come out outside the life insurance. And that's what we're going to talk about today, is how to increase the benefits outside the life insurance by how you would take policy loans from the life insurance.
1: I love how you brought that really full circle because A, it can seem really complex and complicated. And that's something we really want to shed light on and really bring the focus into why would I do this in the first place? Mm -hmm. It's not really so much about how it works until we really understand why. And that's what we're going to focus on today. And the other part is that you mentioned what you can do inside the life insurance, and also what you can do outside of the life insurance. And that is a crucial key ingredient because it's not just how the life insurance works and what the life insurance does for you. It's what it also allows you to do in addition, Mm -hmm. externally, outside the life insurance. So two key points that we're going to bring out today. So let's set the stage. So you've heard about privatized banking, maybe from our podcast or videos or blogs, or maybe from somewhere else, maybe you've been reading books and you've heard about this ability to use the cash value of specially designed life insurance as the seed capital for investing using policy loans. Now, a lot of times people come across this mental hurdle when they consider using loans to fund their investments or loans for anything. And so there's some concerns that I would probably have if I were coming from the same position. A, they don't want to be in debt. B, they don't want to pay to use their money. They feel that if they owe interest on a loan that's going to eat into the returns that they earn when they do put their capital to work. But when we really look at that, so much financial fear is based on partial understanding and partial truth and really lacking the, the understanding of the full range of impacts today and in the future of the financial decisions that we make. And so, this really isn't your fault. If you're listening and you're saying, "Well, this is complicated to me or it doesn't sound like something I want to do." It's it's not your fault. It's because most financial education really is just a spiffed up sales pitch. Mm -hmm. It's this one-way street to some type of financial product that you're supposed to get, whether it's a 401k or mutual fund or something that everyone is doing. And anything worth understanding is worth delving and diving into those layers of complexity. And only those who really pursue that comprehensive understanding are going to be the ones who fully understand it. Now, there's a quote by Brian Bloom, who wrote Confessions of a CPA, and I love this quote. Because when, every, when somebody understands really what life insurance does, Bruce, I mean, they say, well, why isn't everyone doing yeah. this? And Brian Bloom says, those who do understand it are. Yeah. They are doing this.
0: Yeah. Um, it, it's real. Don Blanton um, from Wealth and Wisdom, when people say that to him, they say, well, if this is so great, why isn't everybody doing it? And he says, every, everybody that I talk to does it. In other words, he's so confident that he can explain the benefits of it, that if you could explain the benefits logically to a person, then people do it. And, you know, you and I have been in this business long enough that we have plenty of people doing it. The problem is that mm-hmm. um, I've said this over and over, and, and I have n- no problem saying this. There's too low, and we're a full service firm, so we're not just an, an insurance agency. But there's too low of an entry into the insurance agent uh, industry, and a lot of people just get into it because, and I I don't want to be totally disparaging because I think a lot of people get into it because they think they want to help people, but they don't realize the complexity of all of this, and so they get into it and then they start trying to help people and they don't they only know a little bit of it and people. Trust them because they're friends, family members, so on and so forth. But they get into the wrong product, and this is what you and I preach all the time. It's not. It's not the product that's bad. It's the strategy that's bad. How it was designed mm-hmm. and how it was used, and so that's what we're going to try to attempt to, to do today is is show people uh, why you should consider this and and uh, why you should uh, possibly do this.
1: Absolutely. So. Here is today a very great example of where a healthy dose of curiosity will really open you up to gain that understanding that a lot of people want those advantages in their financial life, but few actually get them. And so when you have that curiosity and you are willing to learn and be open-minded about learning new things, you're going to really find true advantage. So we're going to answer today, what is the function of life insurance cash value in my financial life? How does life insurance increase my liquidity? What is a life insurance loan? What can I use that life insurance loan for? When I'm investing, why would I use a loan from a life insurance policy instead of just paying cash? And here's another side of that why would I do this when I've never had a problem getting a decent rate from a bank loan? Why would I pay interest to use my own money? How do I increase my return on investment by using life insurance with my investments? And are there times that I should consider using another loan that might offer a better interest rate? So these are some pretty weighty questions, but we're going to dive into them today. And with this information, you're going to get a great education about life insurance policy loans, and that education will then give you the access to have the opportunity to earn uninterrupted compound interest, leverage your capital to boost your returns, shrink those opportunity costs, and accelerate time and money freedom. So real quickly, where does this fit in the cash flow system in the protection component? It fits right after stage one, which is being more efficient and keeping more of the money you already make. And it's right before stage three, which is increasing cash flow from your investments. So within life insurance and privatized banking, this helps you keep more of the money you make and it also amplifies your cash flowing asset strategy, helping you accelerate time and money freedom. So let's go ahead and dive in. So Bruce, let's talk first about what is the function of life insurance cash value in my financial life? What role does that play? Well, it
0: can play, it can play several roles. And, and before, you know, we're kind of early in this podcast. And before people start uh, turning this podcast off and say, you know, this isn't really for me, mm-hmm. I want to encourage people that just because we're talking about something that you don't think it, it may be for you today... Remember, education is, has many crossovers and transitions. So the more you can just think about this as mindset and not actually about the particular strategy and how continuous learning about how all these financial vehicles work, I think you're going to understand uh, better why this is really a podcast that you might consider, you know, listening to all the way through. Cash, the cash value in a whole life insurance uh, policy is not that much different than when person says to you, oh, I don't like uh, cash value life insurance because I want to buy term and invest a difference. What, what, that, is, that is exactly what you do in a cash value uh, life insurance is because the, the rates for the life insurance is actually a fixed cost all the way out, up through usually 121 years. And then the life insurance, um, the excess payments are actually saved and built up in cash value. So you're actually doing the exact same thing as uh, buying term and investing the difference. The The difference is, is for these people that do not want to invest, they wanna buy term and save the difference. And that's what you do in whole life insurance or other life insurance, uh, permanent cash value life insurance Is you're, is you're actually buying term insurance And then you are saving the difference. Now, that is really appealing to a lot of people because they don't want to take any risks. It's really appealing to business owners because they want their money to be there because they want that money to actually go to their business at some time. So they need it to be there when they can access it to actually have some external rates. So I wanted to make that point very clear uh, as we go forward. The cash value thus then can be used to um, access to, for other capital needs for a business. It can be used for um, financing other things throughout your personal life, whether it be uh, furniture, whether it be my my nephew just used his to buy a computer, and then he he just he just recently nice. paid it back instead of having this big um, loan at uh, Best Buy uh, that you know. The APR on it was like twenty four percent, and and so he did that. You know, we have people that are buying equipment. Dentist, ch- one of my chiropractors buys chiropractic. Uh, one of one of our our best listeners, and it's going to be a shout out to him, Chuck today. Um, he just accessed his to actually buy some rental property. So this is this is an external yes. rate of return that we're talking about. So Chuck actually. Um, Access the money, bought the rental property. His rate of return on the cash that he actually put down on the rental property is going to be somewhere around the 11% cash on cash return. So, you know, we we can. Next he's one. then going to take the cash flow out of the rental property and then put it back to pay the loan back. And as soon as he uh, builds that up, he's going to repeat the process. Take the take the loan against the cash value. From the, from it, and then he's going to pay the, uh, buy another property. And then he's going to use the cash flow of that to pay the insurance company back. And he's just going to keep uh, repeating that process. And his goal is to make, is to buy multiple um, uh, investment properties like this so that one day he can just live off the residual income and also have, and also, and here's the and product. And also have the dividends and interest on his li- life insurance. Um, so that's what the cash value I love how you,
1: is. I love how you brought out several elements there. And I'm just going to highlight at a really high level. So you mentioned that there's the death benefit portion of the life insurance itself and the savings aspect. So the savings component, this this place where you have this storage of your capital and then being able to use that in cash flowing assets, getting that external rate of return. And these are key pieces of why we want to use life insurance cash value. So I'll highlight here, life insurance is a place to store cash. It's not the investment itself. So Bruce, as you were just talking about, your um, our listener who was investing in real estate and what a fabulous use of life insurance cash value. I think there's no better purpose than to take that, cash value and put it to work in an asset that's going to produce cash flow because then you're truly building time and money freedom you're on on the path to that so but in between investments maybe he's looking for how do I find out what is the best investment for me when we talked with Richard Wilson who works with family offices who serve multi-millionaire and billionaire families one of the things that he brought out is that the ultra wealthy only invest in the best deals that are right for them that match their mission and their investor identity. They're not investing in everything that's pitched to them, which then would go further to say, I'm not always invested. I'm comfortable sitting in cash. There's times that we want to slow down, focus on that savings component. We might not know what to invest in yet, but as we're figuring that out and as we're looking for that next best deal, saying no to 99 and investing only in one, we want to figure out where are we storing the cash in the meantime? So I like to think of it as a garage. If you have your money driving in investments like driving in cars, you need a place to store those cars in between driving them. And the same thing with our money. If you if you think about being invested, you will be invested, but not 100% of the time. You don't want your money burning a hole in your pocket. You really want to be in a position where you say, "How can I be very calculating about the right best investments that are going to generate me those great returns, the great cash flow?" So where are you going to store your money during that interim? Where do you hold the money in between investments? And that's really what we're talking about. We're not talking about life insurance cash value as an investment because it's absolutely not that. It's a place to store cash. Now it's nice if that grows, but what we're going to be focusing on today is more of the primary objective of that storage. We need it to be safe and liquid. What does that mean? That means we want it to be there for us, not drop in value, and we want to be able to get to it when we want it. So that's what we're going to be talking about today, the liquidity aspect of the cash value of life insurance. So how does life insurance then increase our liquidity?
0: So Rachel, the the way that uh, life insurance... Increases that liquidity it can only be accomplished if it's designed properly, and and I've had Absolutely. I've had a, a policy since 1963 when I was born that my mother and father took out on me um, from West, Western and Southern Life, and it was yeah yeah you have and some it, it was not well I once again I we've talked about this um, bef- in in previous podcasts. Before the advent of the IRA in 1973, this is where people stored money until it was going to be used. So, really, I think my parents are smart, but I mean, it was just—it was common. It was just common. That's what people did. Although those were all base policies, and this is this is a difficult thing to actually go over orally. But um, base policies simply means that you're actually buying most of your death benefit at that time, and the cash value does not grow very much uh, early on. Uh, the way that you, we increase liquidity through the, the, um, the way that Nelson Nash has, t- has taught many people is we actually put a rider on the policy. And just to explain to people what a rider is, I often compare it to a car, so, uh, you know, you can buy a base car and then you can tell the person, I want uh, an upgraded stereo system. So that's putting an upgrade on the mm-hmm. car. A rider is like putting an upgrade on the policy. This particular rider is called a level paid up additions rider. Now, uh, other um, companies, that's one company. Other companies call it a, an enhanced paid up additions rider. There's many, many ways that they um, they label it. But what it simply means is, if you give the insurance company more money than what they require for the base premium for the death benefit, they are going to give you a paid-up policy. And we've talked about this in different ways on other podcasts. It simply means that you have bought a little mini paid-up policy. So you say, okay, we, we're going to pay you an extra $15,000 in this particular uh, year. What is $15,000 going to get me as far as a paid up policy for the rest of my life? I never want to put another dime into it. And the insurance company will calculate it according to your age, gender, and habits. And they they will say, usually for mm-hmm. a 40-year-old, it's about three times the premium. So if, if you put 15000 in they're going to give you a forty-five thousand um, dollar death benefit that you never have to put another dime in. It's paid up. So I've used this analogy over and over again. It's just like you go out and you buy a uh, forty-five thousand dollar home, you got a great deal on it. The person was only selling it for fifteen thousand, so you don't have a loan on it. And because you don't have a loan on it, you can use it as collateral. The, uh, the bank comes in and they, they appraise it and they say, well, it's appraised for 45, but you only put 15 into it. We can't let you get to all the 45,000, but we can at least get, let you get to the 15. So we're, we'll let you uh, borrow our money against your 15,000 and at this particular rate. And oh, by the way, this is something that um, you need to know is that you control all the terms of the agreement. You know, if you want to pay it back monthly, if you want to pay it back quarterly, if you want to skip payments, you can skip payments. Why? Because we have the collateral against this. And we know we will get this when you die because we have an increased death benefit of $45,000. So that's what the cash Mm -hmm. value and the death benefit can do in the design of this particular life insurance is how we actually get this liquidity.
1: Because it's, it's really that right. savings component that you mentioned earlier, because within this whole life insurance, we have the death benefit and we have the savings component, which that's the liquidity. It's the part that we can access. It's the portion of the death benefit that we can get to
0: yeah, during our life. Yeah, and the other thing is, so people, this comes up and people ask us all the time, why do the companies do this? Why do the companies? Well, there's two reasons why they do it. In order to do business in the States, they're required by law to do it. So it's a... Legally, they're required to do it. So if you have cash value in your uh, policy, you can then borrow against that collateral from the life insurance reserves. Now, another reason people say, well, well, why would they do it or would they do it if they legally didn't have to do it? And I say, yes, they would because it's free market. If you had one company doing it and another company wasn't doing it, It wouldn't be good for business. But the other thing is, is when they're charging you an interest of 5%, like uh, some of them are doing right now, um, that's a good return on money for the insurance company. And if it's a mutual company and they're getting a good return on that money, well, you benefit because you actually share in the profits of the mutual insurance company. So those are the reasons that people do it.
1: Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. And I just want to be clear here. As we're talking about specially designed life insurance specifically, you differentiated, Bruce, the difference between an accumulation policy and one that has high early cash value. And when we structure this policy for high early cash value, we're not talking about a little bit of cash value available to you. We're talking about within year one, usually about 50 to even 60% of what you've paid in is available to you. Between years... when
0: you say within... We're actually talking about within the year one. Right. So we're talking about as much as 50 to 60% available in 30 days.
1: Right. And then usually if we're looking at when do I have access to 100% of what I've paid in or my paid in capital, depending on, again, age, gender, and habits, we're looking at usually between years five and nine. And then beyond that, you're going to have continued growth above your cost basis. And cost basis just means what you've put in. Now, I almost think that it's easier to think about the money that you put in is available and creates a death benefit, but it, like in a bank, it's available to you, but it also creates this death benefit. The only difference is that in the early years, there's a lot of the internal costs, not all of them, but some of the internal costs are front loaded, causing a few short years delay in some of the liquidity of the dollars that you put in.
0: Yeah. And, and, and. I want to back up just a little bit because I can hear people screaming all, all already saying well 60%s not that great. I want to have access to all my money. Okay, let me ask you this question because I asked this question of people that have tons of money in the savings account. They'll have $200,000 in their savings account and then 100,000 in a CD and then 100,000 in a money market and they say, well, I don't want to transfer any of this money to this. I don't care if, it, if I have access to 60%. I want access to all 100%. Now, obviously, they have good saving habits, or they wouldn't have $400,000 right. in that situation. Right. So when a person has good saving habit, they never go to their bank and take out all $400,000 at one time. It won't happen. So, when I bring that up to a person and I say, Well, does that mean you're going to go out and grab all 400,000 of that money in one day and go spend it? They look at me like I have three heads. Well, of course I'm not. (laughs) Right. Well, then why do you want 100% access to all your money? Because we're not talking about 60% of the 400. We're talking about 60% of the first year's premium that would be. So, right. This is a very challenging thing to do over a podcast. But think about this. We have 400. We're going to gonna we're gonna transfer $50,000 for seven years or $350,000. So the first year we have $50,000 transferred and you have access to about 60%, which would be $30,000. But guess what? There's still $350,000 in your savings account. So $350,000 plus $30,000. Is 380,000 of the 400,000. And if we do the math on that, if you have access to 380,000 of the 400,000 of your total financial picture, you now have, and I'm going to do this real quickly for our listeners, you now have access to 95% of your liquid capital. So that is. Which is pretty good. That's, yeah, that's a shift in mindset. Now, in order to give up 5% of your liquidity, what are you getting for that 5%?
1: That's the absolute next question. Right. Yeah, so well, what are getting, we getting?
0: Yeah, well, you're getting a chance to get an internal rate of return because any money that you put into the policy, you get a compounding effect of both guaranteed interest and dividends, which are not guaranteed but are highly pro- profitable. You get a death benefit and, oh, by the way, you get access to the liquidity within that to then go do something else with it to ramp your rate of return. So this is when I show people, they're like, oh, yeah, you're right, because I'm never going to spend all this. I'm only giving up 5%. Okay, that makes sense now.
1: So there's actually two parts of the liquidity and you just brought that up very clearly and plainly. So there's one portion that is how much of the money I put into the policy is liquid. There's also then of the cash value, how is that liquid to me? Now it is accessible to you in the form of a withdrawal, which you may want to do, but you're going to lose some of the advantages and you're not going to be able to put all that cash back in and recycle that back.
0: Yeah, you're right. And I do have some people that, even though i've they trust me and i've talked to them about this i don't fight them if that's what they want to do it's their money so they just said no i just want to take a withdrawal i don't want to take a loan even though i don't think it's the best for them if that's emotionally what they want to do they can do that
1: right and in that case would not have interest associated with it but the reason that we want to talk about a policy loan as the ideal way to exercise your right of using that liquidity in the policy is because it gives you access to your available cash value So if I put $100,000 into the policy today, then have available access to say 60,000 of cash value right after I put that check in within 30 days. And I want to be able to utilize a portion of that to invest in a rental property like you mentioned. In that case, I have the ability to withdraw the, the cash value, but better than that, we want to use a policy loan. Now, this is not taking your money out of the policy. The reason it's so advantageous to you as the policy owner is that your money continues to grow in compound with those interest and dividends that we talked about, getting that internal rate of return while I take a policy loan from the life insurance company. So actually what I'm doing is I'm taking a loan against my cash value. I'm not taking it from the cash value. It's a very Very important distinction. I leave my money growing and compounding. I take a loan against the cash value. What that does is it takes the cash value and places a lien against it. So, what you essentially end up having is you have your total cash value minus whatever policy loans you have outstanding. And then the difference, so total cash value minus outstanding policy loans, is going to be your available cash value. What happens then is as soon as you repay that loan, you free up the lien and you increase your available cash value up to your total cash value again. And this is really similar to using a HELOC or something like that with some key differences, but when you pay off the loan, you have that money available to be able to utilize again. So that's the second portion of the liquidity. There's The the portion of liquidity as we talk about how much did I put in versus how much do I have access to today? But then once I have that cash value line in my policy, how can I utilize that and make that liquid and available in my life? And that's why we utilize policy loans to do that.
0: Yes. And I, I, once again, I always talk to the little person in people in our listeners' heads all the time and they're saying, well, wait a minute, I can do the same thing. I have $100,000 in my savings account. I go to the bank, I get a signature loan and uh, yeah, I'm not actually borrowing my money. I'm borrowing the bank's money, which I could argue you are borrowing your money because the bank does not have any money. They're actually using depositors money, but the key difference here is the bank um, doesn't know if you're going to withdraw your money at any time. So they have to have a very high loan uh, interest rate on the signature loan, just in case you would take out your money. The other thing is, is that they control the terms of the loan. So they're going to tell you, they're going to tell you how much you have to pay back, uh, when you're going to have to pay back. And oh, by the way, if you miss a payment, they they are going to say, hey, we're this is now called, and we're going to actually come after you for that payment. Where a life insurance loan, you control the terms of the loan, so you to, you control how much you pay back. You don't control the interest rate, but you do control whether you even pay it back. You can skip payments. You can you can make more payments if you want. Um, and most loans nowadays there are no prepayment penalties, so um, you can certainly do that at a bank too. But if you want to skip loans, you want to change the payments. I'm going to pay it on a quarterly basis. I want to pay it on a monthly basis. i want to pay it all back at one time. You control the terms of the loan. Lynn Nelson Nash says this all the time. Who is the banker? That's the most important thing. So you technically are the banker when you're taking a loan against your, um, your cash value.
1: You know, that brings up another really interesting point that we get questions on a lot. And I'm just going to jump forward to that. Um, It's because a lot of times people say, well, why would I go through the extra step, right? Why would I put my money into the life insurance and then borrow against the life insurance to put the money to work somewhere else? Why not just get a loan from the bank to be able to invest? Why not just pay cash directly? So we're going to answer both of those. But right now, Bruce, just as you had talked about getting a loan from the bank, there's another piece of that is that a lot of times people today don't remember 2008 or the times when personal lines of credit were called, or your business lines of credit were called, or interest rates all of a sudden went up. And when we look at that, yes, sure, we could probably, we maybe have a great credit score today and could easily go to the bank, get a secured line of credit against our capital, or somehow be able to secure a loan without much hassle. But what if the fiscal environment isn't always so advantageous? Or what if you lose your job? you're not going to qualify for that same loan with a lower credit score or with a lack of income or no capital to repay that because then you're a significant risk to the bank. So somebody who just says, well, I'm just going to rely on going to the bank to get a loan when I need capital and I'm not going to save it up myself and be able to be the the banker myself, they probably haven't gone through a significant cash flow crunch in their life where they had no ability to access someone else's capital. So the life insurance loan gives you additional options, which then just frees up your peace of mind and gives you the ability to figure out what the best move is for you instead of just taking the only one you can get.
0: Yeah. And, and this did happen significantly during the downturn in 2008. Matter of fact, um, one of my business owners at that time, he actually had lines of credit he would use to pay employees and then he would use it for, for, to buy um, equipment. Not only Rachel do they, can they lower your line of credit maximum, but they can also, well, they, they can't do this, but they actually incented him to pay his line of credit off by mm. actually saying he had $35,000 on a $100,000 line of credit. And they said, well, we're going to lower it to 60000 And oh. And he, he said, well, that's going to be a problem in some months. And they said, well, we're sorry. And they said, matter of fact, if you pay the $35,000 off right now, we'll actually discount it by $5,000. So they discounted it by $5,000 on a $35,000 loan just so that they could um, actually, because there was a racial problem. And he, he was smart enough to ask this question. He said, okay, if I pay it off now, is my line of credit going to remain at 60000
1: exactly what I'm wondering. And right? they said,
0: Well, no, because then we're gonna lower it to thirty five thousand because you obviously don't only need it up to thirty five thousand. So uh uh-uh. so he actually <laughs> uh kept it at he did not take the and this is I, I think a lot of personal people would think, Well that's crazy. He he got mm-hmm. he got five thousand dollars right there if he would pay it off, but he did business owners know the importance of having capital. So
1: Absolutely. So Times of
0: need, he wanted to, that line of credit to be as much as possible, and he didn't want to take thirty five thousand dollars from a savings and pay that off because he would have now had his line of credit reduced to thirty five thousand, and he wouldn't have thirty five thousand dollars. So,
1: right. So, with the line of credit up to hundred thousand and the thirty five thousand in the bank, he has access to be able to use the remaining balance of that line of credit plus his cash. That's a significantly safer position than having no cash and no credit. Right,
0: and that's and we're not saying you shouldn't have a line of credit at your bank. We're just saying that you should have your own personal line of credit, um, and and it should be somewhere else than just in a savings account because this vehicle could do a lot more for you. It's what we call an and product. You get the savings component and you get the loan capability and you get a death benefit, and you can access that cash value in the form of a loan to get a rate of return even in your own business or in some other kind of investment vehicle, whether it be real estate or whatever you can think about. I mean, I I've, I've bought silver before with mine, so uh, there's all kinds of different things that you can do with it.
1: That's excellent. So let's then jump over into when you're investing, why you would use a loan from a life insurance policy instead of just paying cash? Because I think this question comes up very frequently as well. Why would I why would I go through the extra step? Why would I not just take my 100,000 and go invest that straight into rental properties? Why would I actually put it in the life insurance first and then take a loan from my life insurance, put it into the investment property, pay myself back Interest and wouldn't that cut into my returns? I think that's usually the the mental shortcut that we take when we're trying to solve this whole thing, and it just seems too complicated to figure out, so we bypass it. But I really want to point out that all capital has a cost. Even when you pay cash, what happens is if you pay cash, you give up what that cash could have earned had you kept it. And that compound interest curve becomes interrupted. You stop the compounding on that money and you have to restart again from zero. And when you look at your whole lifetime, that's a lot of money that you are giving up. So when you pay cash for something, essentially you're trading an interest rate. You're giving up wherever you were storing that cash to begin with. You give up that interest rate or that rate of return. You put the money somewhere else in your investment and you're getting a rate of return in the investment. You're giving up one rate of return to get a different one. Maybe you're getting a higher rate of return in the investment and that would be a good move in some ways. But at the same time, you stop the compounding on the first vehicle. With life insurance, we have a different opportunity. And Bruce, you brought this up twice already. And I really want to bring this to the forefront. Life insurance is that and asset. Instead of trading out interest rates, you get to keep the first rate of return inside the life insurance and get the rate of return in the outside investment. That's where the great advantage of life insurance is because it's not just getting a rate of return inside the the policy. It's not just comparing it. Could I have put the money into an investment instead? We want to say, how do we use it in an and position in the life insurance and the investment? So I want to come back to that garage idea for a minute because your money needs to be stored somewhere in between investments when it's not invested. So I wanna give a funny example, but one guy said that his money was earning him a high return in the freezer. Now, here's what he did. He kept $100,000 in the freezer and he likes to fix up muscle cars. So about twice a year, he goes looking for cars that he can restore to like new. He buys the car for about 20,000. He then puts about 30,000 of additional capital in to restore the car and he sells it for about 75,000. So what he's doing is he's getting a 50% rate of return in this external investment. So his coffee can in the freezer is really not earning a rate of return itself. So what I want to point out with this is that it's not as important to look at the internal rate of return. His coffee can was actually earning him 0% internal rate of return in the freezer. He was earning a return outside of that coffee can in the freezer. And that was his primary value, that external rate of return, because he had liquidity and access to his money. So we're using the same idea with life insurance, except we're pointing out that you can do much better than just keeping your money in a coffee can in the freezer. You can have it in life insurance, and then you can use that liquidity and cash value to invest over in an external investment and earn an external rate of return. So what matters most is what you do with the cash value, not just leaving it to sit in the policy. So with this, what does it look like then if I do use my cash value to invest in an outside investment? We have a full example in the privatized banking video course that will provide the link in the show notes. But I just want to point out briefly, if you put money into a cash account versus putting money over into life insurance, what those returns would look like differently. And for this example, we did actually use a real policy illustration for a real person with average health. And we put in cash for 7 years and then use the capital to buy a $100,000 property that generated $1,000 per month in cash flow returns. So I just want to talk through this real briefly because if you use cash, you're going to have built up your ca- account through the first 7 years, you're going to have about 323,000, you're going to use 100,000 of your cash and drop that account down to about 223,000. Then you're going to earn that monthly cash flow of 1,000 per month if we look at that over the span of 30 years, that's 360000 If we add that back to the cash account every month and keep that growing at, I think we had about a 1% rate of return, your account balance at the end of 30 years is going to be about 671000 So what would be different with a better rate of return in life insurance that's tax-advantaged or tax-free and you're not interrupting the compounding? Well, if you built up the same input, the same capital that you put into your bank savings account, and you had put that in life insurance instead, and then at the seventh year, you borrowed a $100,000 policy loan, even if the rate of interest on that loan was 5%, and you paid that back over 30 years, you would end up having a payment. So you're not going to keep the full cash flow from the property. You're not going to get to keep the full $1,000 per month. You're actually going to have a monthly payment to make back to the loan, that's about 536 a month. So your monthly cash flow goes from a thousand down to about 463 per month. So the first thing you're thinking is it cut into my returns, I'm not earning as much, but we've got to look at the full picture. So what happens then is from the property, once we account for paying back the loan, our total cash flow over 30 years is 166,000. When we then add that to what the policy's cash value is at the end of the same time period, we realize that our policy then has about 951000 of cash value. We've had the loan, we've paid it back, this is fully available cash value to be used. When we add that cash value to what our total monthly cash flow is, we, we have a total cash amount of over $1.1 So that's almost two times as much cash at the end because you earned a higher rate of return in a non-taxable environment and you didn't reset the compounding. So what you did is you put the money into the life insurance and you borrowed against your cash value instead of just going directly and paying cash for the investment. You went through the extra step and that gave you all of this extra capital.
0: Yeah, even though, and Rachel, even though you paid interest to access that capital because you didn't interrupt the compounding, that's the difference. The first time I saw this, you know, intuitively you think, well, that can't be right. But then I thought, Mm -hmm. wait a minute, I'm an actual uh, biologist and I used to use the compounding effect with algae on a pond to to demonstrate that. So I would always say to my class, I draw a little circle uh, uh, on the board and I say, if we have a an, al- uh, an algae cell and it grows, it doubles every day <clears throat> and in 15 days, it covers half of the pond, how many days would it take to cover the other half of the pond? One more day. It takes one more day, but <laughs> you would you would believe that about half the <laughs> class would always say, Fifteen days, and mm-hmm. that's the power of compounding. And another thing
1: that—that's a fascinating example, yeah. and very visual. I right. love. And it.
0: another thing you can do is if you take a calendar. Now, not many people have paper calendars anymore, but if you take a calendar and you put one cent on the day one and keep doubling it till the end of the end of the month, thirty or thirty-one days. I'm not going to give you the answer, but I want the listeners to do that. And uh, they're going to be fascinated by the outcome. This is the power of compounding. We've always known this. Unfortunately, in today's financial world, we talk about compounding in inappropriate places. They talk about oh, yes. compounding in an investment. But investment—what <laughs> investments do not compound because they go backwards. So when they go backwards, whatever interest or um, uh, credit crediting situation they have the next year is not compounding truly because you're resetting the floor over and over and over. Mm-hmm. But when you have it in a savings type vehicle, you you truly get compounding effects because it doesn't go backwards. So I challenge the listeners to do the little penny exercise for everybody.
1: That's excellent. So Bruce, as we wrap up, I think there's kind of one or two more important questions that I think are probably on the back burner of someone's mind who's listening to this or has considered the concept of utilizing policy loans with life insurance for privatized banking. So let's just knock these out. Why would I pay interest to use my own money, quote unquote, and that's use my own money as in, in air quotes there. Bruce, what would you say to that?
0: Well, the reason is, is because even if you pay Interests You don't interrupt the compounding and the and part of it. And what are you getting for accessing that capital? And we've, we've talked about this. You can, you can answer that in your own life. The and part.
1: Absolutely. Now, the other question is, just because I have life insurance and I have access to use this policy loan, Are there times that I might get a better interest rate somewhere else? And might I want to use that instead of using a policy loan? What would you say there, Bruce?
0: Well, I think that uh, intuitively you think, yes. But once again, we just demonstrated the power of compounding. And so the compounding once again comes to the forefront. But the other thing that comes to the forefront is you control the terms of the payback. And you will not control the terms of the payback when you do it somewhere else, they control the terms. And like Nelson says, just ask yourself, who is the banker? You're the banker. You're in control.
1: Absolutely. And so banks, sometimes they will collateralize your cash value, not the death benefit in your life insurance. So you might be able to go to the bank and get a loan against your cash value. Or sometimes it might make sense to take a loan from another institution at a lower interest rate. But here's my question as well. If you know your cash can earn somewhere between 3 and 5%, compounding while it's at rest parked in the garage, why would you pay cash and give up the opportunity to earn that return? Mm
0: -hmm. Yes.
1: So in all, as we look at this full picture here, we've talked about the cash value of life insurance and how it offers the liquidity through guaranteed policy loans, allowing you to continue that uninterrupted compound growth. And I hope that uninterrupted compound growth is probably burned in your mind after hearing it about 85 times (laughs) through this podcast today. But that's while your money is sitting in the garage you keep control of your capital. In addition, you're earning this internal rate of return inside of the policy. You also are getting that external rate of return outside the policy. You're getting returns in two places at the same time or stacking your investments with that and asset. That is then what accelerates your returns and allows you to accomplish time and money freedom so much faster. So today we've really covered why you want to use life insurance policy loans we've talked about what they are. If you want to implement this in your own life, come talk to us about how it would work for you. And we have more information on specially designed life insurance contracts with a 20 minute crash course and video training. We'll post the link in the show notes. In closing, remember success leaves clues. So model the successful few, not the crowd and build a life and business you love. Do you have an established business and make great income but feel like you can never get ahead or just plain have financial confusion? Get the business owner's 3-step roadmap to achieve time and financial freedom without working harder or sacrificing your lifestyle. Go to themoneyadvantage.com/roadmap to get your roadmap and free training. And when you register, you'll also get access to our ultimate money finder cheat sheet that you can use to recover lost cash flow and save on taxes.